Welcome to People's Church Podcast with Pastor Nelson Jones. There's a, I want to talk to you about today something, two subjects that often don't go together, but we really need to put them together to understand how to release God's greatest blessings on a continual basis in your life. So I twig my back this morning. And Linda has to drive in, okay? So she's driving us into church. How many know that sometimes when you're the driver all the time and then the other person drives, it's like you're, you really don't know how to drive. <laughs> like you're just downright dangerous. So we're coming up to a four-way stop. And uh, I'm kind of, in, I'm kind of in, in a state of PMS. You know what that is? Okay. Pre-message syndrome, okay. So I'm kind of in that state, and uh, so uh, we come up to a four-way stop, and an RCMP vehicle had come and just stopped just ahead. And she's not really slowing down, and I'm wondering if she's gonna roll through this stop. So I said, uh, you better stop your RCMP. So she said, oh, and said, all of a sudden, okay. Ow! So then we keep driving. We're driving north at this particular time, and she's got her visor down. When you're driving north in this country, you don't need a visor, just so you know. Any time of the year, you do not need a visor. So I just reached over. Do you really need this? Lifted it and put it up. And by now, I'm starting to see a little bit of response in her. It's kind of fun. I'm in PMS. So as we continue along, I just turn around, and I said, so... How much has anger hurt your life? That didn't go over too well until we kind of started to laugh about it. And all of a sudden, we're both starting to laugh about this. Because I know her immediate thought was, well, if we're thinking in reference to your anger hurting me, oh, I want to talk to you about anger and obedience and how anger and obedience are things to be understood very much. I was, um, I was about 22 years old, something like that, at, at the occasion of this, maybe, yeah, 22. And another time in my life, I'd had a knee surgery because of different sports injuries, and um, it was not going well in the recovery. Uh, it was swole up really big. It was really a problem. But anyway, we went to some special meetings that were actually in town here in Grand Prairie. It just, um, we had come back here at that point in time for a shorter time and went to some meetings. And you, some of you are old enough, you might remember some of these meetings or, or this, the names of this, these people. Charles and Francis Hunter. Do you remember those, those folks, those names? Okay, and some of you are saying, not even a clue. They were, they were people that really had a strong healing type ministry. And so I'm in this auditorium. I think it was the Memorial Arena. Anyway, it was, it was filled with, just filled to the rafters. And then the, the main surface is filled to, and I'm sitting up to the left of the platform up, up on this direction. And I've got my cast, I've got my crutches, and I'm there. And um, we're all standing at that moment. And all of a sudden, she just kind of stops, turns, looks directly, because I'm directly there to, uh, she has to turn and look. And she points directly at me and says, God's going to heal you. The moment that she did that, and this is, 
I don't care what you believe about this subject. But the moment that she did that, I felt this thing completely just shrink. Go right down. But what you have to know to really know this story is this. Just that spring, because this was in late August when this transpired, I think, or early September. But I had gone through a very hurtful situation uh, with a mentor. And it was incredibly hurtful uh, for me. And it had registered deep in my soul. It got past my defenses. Do you know what I mean when something gets past your defenses? You normally have some of those things out there, but it just, I didn't have, you know, a defense for that particular thing. And it got past that. And I knew it had hit deep inside. The moment it hit deep inside, I knew that I was in trouble. I just knew I was in trouble. That, that my heart was now really going to have a wrestle. And it did. And all summer long, it wrestled over this. It wrestled over forgiveness and choosing it and working it. But still, my heart was retaining this. Now, I know what God teaches on forgiveness. That, you know, I have forgiven you. Now you forgive. I understand that. And it's all through the scriptures. And so I'm practicing this as much as possible, but you know, it's just so registered uh, in my life. So on that night, when she turned and said, God's gonna heal you, and I felt that power go right through this lake. I literally felt, because it's a cast, it was a, it was a cast with, uh, they had changed it to firm side and then bandages because of the swelling. I felt it just go like that. I knew it was good. But there was something deep inside me that came up in total resistance to that. And here's what it said. It very plainly just said one word. This voice deep inside me spoke and said one word in that moment when I felt that touch. And it was this word, no. It wasn't just no. It was, no. It was rooted within anger. Oh, an anger at God. Yes, an anger at the person, but maybe even more at God at that point in time. And I couldn't receive what he was wanting to give me. And folks, I felt that leg go completely back up. That's my experience. I'm telling you my experience. You can take it for what you want, but I know how real it was. And it's at that moment that I learned something very powerful about my heart and about God's blessing. That I have to really manage my heart really, really well. And the number one way he's going to get at me is going to be through anger. Is there enough anger in society for you today? Do you know why there's so much anger and growing anger? Because the more we're disconnected from obedience to God, the more that anger is going to grow because we're not doing the things that make for really good things. I'm going to read you some scriptures on that. We're going to do a little bit of a study on that so that you really grab this today. Because if you grab this today, you'll understand if you can live in simple obedience to God and his word, 
you are going to have the, uh, the best kind of experience in life. You're going to bring the best things into your life because your heart will welcome what God will bring. Look at Deuteronomy 5.33. It says, obey them all so that everything will go well with you and so that you will continue to live in the land that you are going to occupy. This is a direction from God to the people of Israel and he's saying you need to obey the commandments. The commands. You need to obey them so that everything's going to go well with you. Because see, God's commands are not about a test of moral strength. God's commands are the way that he says, these are the things, if you live this way, bring the best things into your life. So when he, one of his commands is forgiveness, that's the best way to live, is what he's saying. The best way for you to live is not to be a liar. The best way for you to live is not to be overcome by other things in your life like lust or anger. The best way for you to live is to obey these commands. They are not there to test your moral strength. We already know our moral strength. It's inconsistent all the time. But our obedience to God's word brings about the conditions where we will be able to live the best kind of life. So what anger tends to do is interrupt the process, the connection between your ability, knowing the command, knowing what's right to do. It's right to forgive. It's right to help here. It's right to challenge here. It's right to quit this and to start this. It's right to do these things. But your heart gets interrupted with the anger that can fill it over the things of life that just come on a daily basis. I know the number one thing that has affected your relationship of marriage, for instance. It's your anger. Anger. Now, we're going to dive a little deeper, but let's first off really take a look at what we're missing out on. I've, I've put down several scriptures. And oh man, the Bible's filled with this. We could have just... I could have had pages and pages and pages and pages of this. But what God promises if we obey him. Look at some of the promises he gives you if you obey him. You obey him, you forgive. You obey him, you release. You obey him, you love. You obey him, you work for peace. You obey him. God blesses those who obey him. God saves those who obey him. The Lord watches over those who obey him. The Lord takes care of those who obey him. You will help all those who obey you. God gives us what we ask for because we obey his commands. Always obey the Lord and you will be happy. Keep God's laws and you will live longer. Those who obey the Lord lack nothing good. Those who obey him have all they need. And then under you will live in perfect freedom. You will have greater wisdom. You will dwell in security and peace. You will be prosperous and successful. You will be great in the kingdom of heaven. You will be rewarded. He's saying, here is what obedience, when you obey me on these things, this is what it will bring into your life, which basically comes back to the same premise that we have come forward with, is that this is the best way to live. It brings the best into how you are 
living. Now let's tie them together. James 1, 19 to 25 brings anger and obedience into the same zone of reference. Understand this, my dear brothers and sisters, you must all be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. Human anger does not produce the righteousness God desires. Just have to stop there for a second. It says human anger, your anger, your anger will never produce the good things of life. Your anger will not create good things that God wants to bring into your life. More or less, then we could take and move that around and say that you're going to have a life, in fact, that has things that are awful, that are destructive because of anger. Now, a lot of you are thinking, oh, I'm just not an angry person. Oh, I'm just so glad that I don't have much anger in you're not, you may not think you're an angry person, but here's what I do know. You are a disconnected person because you all are going to wrestle anger for your life and you're either going to have a way of working through it or it's going to find a root and out of that root is going to be an environment that gets shaped that resists the best way to live. Let's finish off this scripture. So he says, so get rid of all the filth and evil in your lives and humbly accept the word of God. That is obedience. He's stating the word obedience. Humbly accept the word God has planted in your hearts. See, God's word in your heart, when it's engaged in your heart, can take it and grab it, is going to produce all of the good, strong, right stuff. For it has the power to save your souls. He's not just speaking about for heaven. He's speaking about your life. But don't just listen to God's word. You must do, that's obedience. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you are only fooling yourselves. You're disconnected. You're only fooling yourselves. For if you listen to the word and don't obey it, forgive him forgive her if you listen to the word but don't obey it it is like glancing at your face in a mirror you see yourself you walk away and forget what you look like but if you, and by the way that is true that's why you have to look in the mirror often and every morning and it's quite interesting how we can change how we look but if you look carefully into the law the perfect law that sets you free God's word and if you do what it says, obey it, and don't forget what you've heard, it's in practice, then God will bless you for doing it. I want you to live blessed lives. I want you to live in the fullness of the blessed relational life that God wants to bring to you. But I know that it hinges not on knowing the word of God, it hinges on the obedience to the word of God. I understand that many of us, many times can be filled with all kinds of knowledge about what is right. But we can easily end up in an obedience issue where it doesn't get through to that. And then anger interrupts the processing of God's word in your life. Human anger cannot produce God's intentions for you. And you say, but isn't there a righteous form of anger? Yeah, but that's the one you don't have too much of. 
And the righteous form of anger is not about I've been wronged. The righteous form of anger is about they've been wronged. I'm angry that this person I just saw treated that way. It's not around yourself at all. It's around the conditions of what others are experiencing and what they're going through. So when we talk about this subject today and we put these two things into this same zone, we start to find stories that fit this so well in scripture. And I'm gonna teach you one that is one about a guy by the name of Naaman. Now, I'm going to just read it because it's going to be faster than me actually trying to tell it to you in ways. And it's found in 2 Kings 5 and then 1 through 14. The king of Aram had great admiration for Naaman, the commander of his army, because through him, the Lord had given Aram great victories. But though Naaman was a mighty warrior, he suffered from leprosy. At this time, Aramean raiders had invaded the land of Israel, and among their captives was a young girl who had been given to Naaman's wife as a maid. One day, the girl said to her mistress, I wish my master would go to see the prophet in Samaria. He would heal him of his leprosy. So Naaman told the king what the young girl from Israel had said. Go and visit the prophet, the king of Aram told him. I will send a letter of introduction for you to take to the king of Israel. So Naaman started out carrying as gift 750 pounds of silver, 150 pounds of gold, and 10 sets of clothing. The letter to the king of Israel said, with this letter I present my my servant Naaman. I want you to heal him of his leprosy. When the king of Israel read the letter, he tore his clothes in dismay and said, am I God that I can give life and take it away? Why is this man asking me to heal someone with leprosy? I can see that he's just trying to pick a fight with me. But when Elisha, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel had torn his clothes in dismay, he sent his message to him. Why are you so upset? Send Naaman to me, and he will learn that there is a true prophet here in Israel. So Naaman went with his horses and chariots and waited at the door at Elisha's house. But Elisha sent a messenger out to him with this message. Got to catch this. This guy is the commander of an entire nation's armies and has been extremely successful in the success of his king and nation. But Elisha sent a messenger out to him with this message, go and wash yourself seven times in the Jordan River. Then your skin will be restored and you will be healed of your leprosy. But Naaman became angry and stalked away. He went to his closet. He went to his men's den. He just, enough. You treat me that way? I thought he would certainly come out to me to meet me. He said, I expected him to wave his hand over the leprosy and call on the name of the Lord his God and heal me. Aren't the rivers of Damascus, the Abana, and the Farpar better than any of the rivers of, of Israel? Why shouldn't I wash in them and be healed? So Naaman turned and went away in, in a rage. How much does your anger cost you in life? Just before we finish this story. How much has it cost you? 
It created the conditions where you could not receive. You could not receive the apology from another person. You could not receive the beginnings of new strategies to change things in life. How much has it cost you? But his officers tried to reason with him. Have you ever tried to reason with an angry person? Sir, if the prophet had told you to do something very difficult, wouldn't you have done it? So you should certainly obey him when he says, simply go and wash and be cured. So Naaman went down to the Jordan River and dipped himself seven times as the man of God had instructed him. He did what he was told, he obeyed. The prophet brought the word of God. Naaman had his anger which almost robbed him and stole it from him. He finally humbled himself and he goes and does what the word of God was to him and his skin became as healthy as the skin of a young child, and he was healed. This is a powerful illustration of these two words coming together in the same zone. He had a choice. He wasn't treated the way he thought he should be by his stature. This prophet didn't even come out to him to meet him. He sent the messenger with a servant to deliver it to him. And the message was just go and wash yourself. In the River Jordan, go dip seven times. Then you're going to be cured. Now you'd think that should be pretty easy. I don't want leprosy. I mean, if you've seen leprosy, you don't want leprosy. Now imagine having this. You don't like it. You have this condition. You have this condition in your marriage. You have this condition in your kids. You have this condition in your finance. You have this condition in your life, in your faith, in your ministry. You have this condition. You don't like it. You know it's not a good condition. But in you, there is no land ready to receive the seed, to receive the word that's going to require humility on your part. And anger and humility do not share the same reins. Anger has robbed you of more than you probably are aware of. It's probably robbed you of hours, maybe days this week that could have been not just better, but could have been days when things grew better, when good things grew, when you had advancements in in life. You were moving ahead. Anger is a tool. In fact, it's so much warned against that in Ephesians chapter four, we are warned, Paul says this, don't let the sun go down on your wrath because then what's gonna happen is Satan's going to get a foothold. Now, he is a robber. He's a thief. And he wants to rob you of all the things that God is wanting to build and do in your life that are great. But it's ruining you and your development on your job because you're maintaining anger from something on your job from two weeks ago or two years ago. So you're not bringing your best. Your attitude doesn't fit moving forward. Your attitude is restrictive. And it's affecting your finance. Because instead of being creative and problem solving and being vulnerable with that, with that so that you can get good teamwork going and change things, you retreat into the closet and say, forget this. Anger 
Anger is the tool that the enemy will use the most to take you out of God's good blessings in your life. So this guy ends up healed simply because he did humble himself. He goes back, by the way, just to finish the story off for you, he goes back and he uh, thanks Elisha and uh, he offers to give him all of these gifts he brought. Elisha says, no, none of it. He He wouldn't take anything. And then Naaman leaves and he's headed back to his home country. Elisha's servant's name was Gehazi. Gehazi saw a moment for greed. He jumps in into this particular story, chases after Naaman uh, when he's down the road, and he says, oh, yeah, yeah, the prophet sent me to say there were two prophets that came that don't have clothes and maybe give them like a little bit of silver and some clothes, and of course he's doing it for himself. Gehazi wasn't serving God from his heart. Gehazi wasn't serving the prophet from his heart. Gehazi was about Gehazi. And here's what happened when he comes back and he's got this stuff, because Naaman gladly gave it to him. He, and he, he, all, all of a sudden now what the prophet, his own name has been tarnished with this guy. But anyway, when he comes back uh, and he's hidden this stuff and uh, Elisha says, uh, where did you just come from? And he gives him some excuse. And he says, do you think that I don't know what you just did? The same leprosy that Naaman was just healed of is now going to be upon you, Gehazi, and upon your generations. He turns white, leprous. The scary part, upon your generations. Your anger is going to determine more about what goes on to your generations than any other thing in your life. That's something for the believer, for us as Christians, to become deeply aware of. So what do we do then? Well, you have to become obedient first. It's your practice and discipline of obedience to what you know is right that will take anger and take its influence that it can hang around too long and destroy out of the recipe. Let me give you four qualities of obedience to God. First quality is obedience with God is immediate. The more that you delay obedience, delayed obedience is disobedience. Now let me just tie this into something. You see, it's not, why is disobedience such a, God just hates it. Why does he hate it? Because disobedience, when you trace the roots of disobedience, come down to a word called rebellion. It was Gehazi, me first, doesn't matter. It's rebellion. And that's why when anger's in your life and hangs around, it's, it's putting you into a rebel state. It's making you rebellious. And when you delay in, in, in obedience in your life and you're not immediately obedient and God says, I want you to forgive. 
And you say, maybe someday. Or I don't feel like obedience. Now, here's another thing that we tend to do with obedience. We tend to treat obedience sort of like not a command. We treat it like these commands more as a, I feel like. When I feel like I'm strong and healed, then I'll forgive. You know, I use the word feel like a lot too. You do too. I feel like vanilla ice cream. Do you think God cares about that? No. Go ahead, have vanilla. He doesn't care whether you have vanilla or chocolate. He doesn't have a care about that. By the way, one time, my wife and I, we're in Sycamusa. We go to this, forget the name of this place, but anyway, it's an ice cream specialty shop. And I said, oh, just get me something, whatever you figure. Last time I'll ever do that. <laughs> she comes out and she gives me this ice cream that was a, uh, it was, I think it was supposed to be kind of vanilla, but it had hot, what was it? Chocolate, but it had hot chili peppers. <laughs> have you ever, have you ever taken, and I didn't know. So have you ever taken something and put it in your mouth and said, I was not expecting that. <laughs> not on the good side, on the bad side, you done that, you had to have done that. This is one of those extreme moments when, are you kidding? What just happened here? I'm eating something cold and my mouth is on fire at the same time. And I got angry. <laughs> I won't tell you what I said. What is this? And, and I, I didn't need to take another taste to see if it was real. It was still real. It's almost real today still. She thought, well, you like spicy stuff. Ice cream? The fact is, is that when it comes to feel like statements, they don't care what kind of ice cream it doesn't matter. Most of your life is going to be feel like. What do you feel like eating? What do you feel like doing? What do you feel, where do you feel like going? That's fine. We're talking about obedience to commands. Love her as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. That's a command. That's where you either are going to do it or not do it. When you begin to go, I feel like it, you're basically going into delayed obedience, which is disobedience, and it's not immediate. And so what happens is that you are hurting the blessing. Right now, I know this is a little close to home right now. But this is what is hurting the, the, the things of your life that you want it to work. You want good things happening in many areas of your life. That comes from God and God alone. Satan will steal from you. He will rob from you. You will facilitate that by giving him anger and giving him a kind of obedience that is not immediate. 
Psalm 119, I will quickly obey your commands because you have made me happy. Another quality of obedience is complete, completely. You gotta obey completely. It's not like, well, you know, I'll go this far on it. James 4.11, don't criticize and speak evil about each other, dear brothers. If you do, you will be fighting against God's law of loving one another, declaring it is wrong. But your job is not to decide whether this law is right or wrong, but to obey it. See, you don't decide, well, is that something I should do? Yes, it is. When you start taking like, is this a command or not? Do I need to actually pay attention to this or not? You're moving off of a truth basis into only experiential living. And those experiences will diminish and they'll diminish regularly in your life. Joyfully is another quality of obedience to God. That means that when you really love God, you're gonna actually not find it hard to do what God is asking you to do. You know, Dad, I, I, want, I, want, you to, I want you to understand that the choices you've been making the last while are communicating to your kids that they don't have much value. So dad, I want you to pay attention to your kids in this way. I want you to love them this way. When you begin to understand the value that God wants to bring into your life through your obedience, it gets joyful. If he's telling me to do this, that means there's a reward. Continually is another quality of obedience. Psalm 119 again, just tell me what to do and I will do it, Lord. As long as I live, I'll wholeheartedly obey. That's a huge statement. He's basically saying, look, I am for my whole life have predetermined living when it comes to your commands and what I know to be true in the word of God. Why are we gonna do 40 days in the word? Because we need to refresh. This is what you don't play around with. The word of God is there to bless your life. He wants to fully bless you in all areas. But to do that, you must have obedience to it. And obedience to it is knowing it and then carrying it out. Practice, practice, practice. Naaman almost missed out. How close he was that it would be on him and maybe his generations that there would be leprosy. Don't miss out. Anger is the one thing that most of us cut way too much slack for. And we allow it in our lives to be too regular, too often over the craziest things. And then we allow it to find a nest. And also one other form of anger to watch out for today is the anger in society. Don't buy into the world's thinking about times or about where we are or what we're experiencing. God has called you to joyful living, to living fully at all times, no matter what we go through as a society. And there's a lot of cultural anger right now. Don't take that inside. That anger in itself can become a tool for diminishing God's blessing in your life. You want God's blessing in your life, I believe. Otherwise, you probably wouldn't be here today. 
But I will say to you, then you must stop giving slack to anger now and take seriously this. Otherwise, you can be like me and you can lose out a blessing because your heart is not able to receive what God is wanting to give you at that moment. I remember that story very often in my life because I don't want to be in that condition. Right now, as we finish this, just ponder again this question. How much is anger robbing your life? Right now. Anger from culture, anger from your history, from your family history, transported to you in generations. Certain responses. Some of you are thinking, well, I don't really get that angry. You know, there are four different types of responses basically that you can be. And you're an angry person. You can be the maniac. Everybody knows the maniac. Example in scriptures is Cain who killed Abel. It's explosive. It happens. It's there. The second is mute. What we do with anger is we just go really, really silent and quiet. And we start to close off anything that's going to challenge us in those things. Jeremiah actually is an example of that. Or martyr. Lots of martyrs today. That's the prodigal's brother. I have been here. I've been faithful. I have done this. And he couldn't go in and celebrate that his younger brother was now home and safe and back in the family. Instead, he could only see himself as the martyr. And then there is the manipulator. Anger is expressed many times through manipulation. The Pharisees were very good at it. They were angry at Jesus. Says in Luke 6, 11, but they were furious and began to plot with each other what they might do to Jesus. Because they were angry. I don't know whether you're the maniac, the mute, the martyr, or the manipulator, but you have one of those tendencies for sure, maybe even potentially a few. But I will tell you, don't hide because you think your practice of anger is kind of unseen. You're paying the very same price. It's costly. Let's stand together. As we close in prayer today, I know this one today is going to kind of really go home for many of us if we have an open heart to understand our own selves in response to, you know, what God wants to bring into our lives and the truths of God. I don't know what truth in your life you don't want to obey right now, but you may have an indication of that. You may have an idea what that truth is. It may be a truth having to do with a relationship in your life. It might have to do with money in your life. It might have to do with surrender to Christ in your life. It might have to do with the cultural things. It might have to do with pain of loss in your past, by the way. 
It might have to do with the loss that you haven't forgiven, you haven't let go. And you've got an anger at God, like I had an anger at God. I, I didn't really feel the anger towards the person anymore that had hurt me. But there was an anger at God that only showed up when I could not receive the best that God had for me. Wherever anger exists, you, there are limitations. Remove them. How do you do that? Confess your anger honestly to God. Maybe to the person that is connected to that anger if there is. Repent of it. Turn away from it. Reject it as your friend. That closet's killing you. It's costing you the best of life. Whatever form your anger is in, it will always seek to destroy, to rob you. Anger does not bring about God's righteousness. I'm just quoting what we read earlier. Human anger will not get you in a more favorable position in life. So it's really important that we as Christians, believers in Jesus, who came and brought us truth and life, that we honor him through carrying out what we know we need to, practicing that which is right. Or you can stay in the world's files of victims and closets and places where you look back and say, I wish I would have not done that. Most of us have had to go through healing in life. Healing that often is around not just what others have done to us, but our own angers that have created an environment where God's best cannot find the deep roots in you. Today, let's break a chain or two. Let's stop leprosy in us and going on to the next generation. Let's take a hold of the belief that fully says, I'm going to obey you for the rest of my life. And I'm going to make it immediate. It's going to be complete obedience, oh God. I'm moving on it now. So wherever it is, let's take that to heart right now. And you say, but it's really hard. It's hard to forgive this. then lean on the power of your Savior Jesus and call on him to give you the strength to forgive because you have been forgiven. Let's let go. Let's bow our heads together. For all of us in this room, that right relationship of humility-based relationship with God is the key. And so let's just have a prayer that closes off something like this. Father in heaven, it is so easy for me to trip up in anger. I got too much anger. 
I get angry about this or angry about that. Father, I see where it has robbed me and it steals from me. And I'm asking for strength today. I want this broken in my life. And so I'm going to do what Naaman had to do in the midst of his anger. He had to humble himself and to say, oh, I am not going to let anger keep me away from your best. Lord, here's the anger. I'm trusting you. And I will be obedient to do the right thing. I'm going to choose love here. I'm going to choose forgiveness here. I am going to do the hard things. I'm going to choose faith here. Whatever it is, folks. Maybe some of you have held hurts and there's anger around that. And it's maybe more towards God than even other people. And that's something to really confess and repent from. And to say, God... I'm angry against you who is the very source of the good things in my life. Forgive me. Maybe you've had losses in the past. Lord, I've held my losses against you. Forgive me. Maybe you are dealing with some cycles in your life of just being so hidden and buried in the closets of your life that this morning, this is scary to you. Then your prayer is, God, give me courage because there's no other way to live in your blessing. You can't bless my closet. So Lord, hear our prayers from our hearts. You know us. And may we be on anger watch. And may we find a place of peace and strength and joy filling our lives, new hope, energy, all of the stuff that anger will rob us from. Lord, we want back in spades. Fill our day to day and our days to come with your blessing because you can look on us and say, ah, you obey, you practice. We thank you for your grace in our life and we thank you that it leads us to real change and real growth. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Thanks for listening. If you find this program helpful or would like to learn more, please give us a call 780-539-0572 or email mail at peopleschurchgp.com.